0: Welcome to Afternoon at the Museum. And although we had a little bit of a late start today, never fear, because we are making our second visit to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. This museum is part of the Smithsonian Institute Complex. It is also a member of of the Association of African American Museums. And remember, because this museum has an extensive, extensive online collection of information, that you can explore the museum yourself as part of our AAAM offer through the end of 2020. And with that, I am going to send you over to our gracious and lovely host, Ms. Stephanie Watts.
1: Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Um, thank you, Bridget, for being available. And um, so just to kind of reset a little bit, the last time we were here at the museum, um, we covered um, sports, uh, exhibits, and we made our way through the museum to some music. And uh, so, Bridget, that kind of gives you some sense of maybe uh, a little bit about how we we proceeded previously with um, Agent Julia. Um, We are, again, in the museum, and I I share this with um, new explorers, new individuals who might be on the call who don't quite know what all this is about. Um, And for those who do know, um, bear with me. Uh, I like to, to think of it as, I'm in the museum, I walked in, Uh, And I am literally just standing uh, in the lobby area, not sure which way to go. So this, uh, for me, Bridget, is is my um, opportunity to take advantage of your lovely description of life. So tell me what my options would be at this point.
2: It looks like there are a number of exhibits in this museum today. Uh, for example, the titles of some of the exhibits look like there is a century in the making, Mm -hmm. uh, which looks like it is a journey to open the museum to many attempts, the numerous steps to realize the opening of the museum itself, in case you wanted a backstory Mm -hmm. on this, uh, grouping of options. Next is a changing America focusing on modern civil rights movements Mm -hmm. and victories achieved there. Another exhibit is regarding Ches Baldwin and James Baldwin's house in the south of France, serving as a powerful lens to explore his life and works. Mm -hmm. Next is A City of Hope, uh, regarding and focusing on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference Mm -hmm. launched and the victories involved with that movement. Next is Cultural Expressions, uh, regarding how culture shapes lives from the food that we eat to the languages we speak and the art created by different people and how that has impacted and influenced our culture today in ways that we can see that in Mm -hmm. our current culture. Defending freedom and defining freedom, focusing on the end of slavery and the progress made from there to today, focusing on uh, confronted new forms of oppression and segregation. Mm -hmm. Next is double victory focusing from the Revolutionary War to the War on Terror and the role that African-Americans have had in terms of those movements serving in the United States military. Okay. There's also Everyday Beauty, a view on uh, a photographic collection and films from the Permanent Collection demonstrating how people have used the media arts to document Mm -hmm. African-Americans' everyday lives as well as challenge negative stereotypes and stigmas available.
1: So there's quite a bit.
2: There's quite a lot.
1: You know, you know what? Maybe what we can do is start with, I think it was culture.
2: Cultural expressions.
1: Yeah, there you go. Cultural expressions. Let's see what we have there.
2: See, I'll go ahead and open that up. So it is a circular experiential introductory space to African American and uh, African diaspora culture. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's a 360-degree view of the exhibit. So it's located in a circular group as you enter. Along the top lining of the wall is a series of connected panels that uh, interchange from the word culture to various images of revolutionary African-Americans throughout uh, history, especially American history with some quotes thinking of culture as repertoire by Karen Mm Lacey and as we continue into the room in the very center of the room highlighted is a statuette looks like quite an old statuette of a woman standing in uh, African garb it's a stone statuette and she's holding two kind of uh, talismans in each hand And as we continue in,
1: actually, before we continue in, um, may I know what uh, what she's? I mean, in terms of color, look, or fabric, what what what's the uh, particular dress that she's wearing?
2: The particular dress that she's wearing. I'm gonna zoom in. It looks like she is wearing. Uh, it's more of a sleeveless dress that comes down to a number of uh, fabric attachments so it's kind of more of a a flowing dress with Uh a intricate necklace around her front Mm. chest and it's just made of horizontal lines in terms of color it looks like it's just an unpainted stone statuette so Uh there's not as much color offered okay as well as atop her head she has a tightly coiled updo Mm -hmm. with everything close into her head and a stern expression while rising above her head is a multifaceted, kind of like an upside down pyramid with two tiers of a headdress descending down back to her uh, plain garb looks like she also has a pack uh, wrapped from her neck as like a necklace down to about her waistline or hip area, it looks mm-hmm. like it has a square design with a face on it of two blank eyes and a horizontal mouth. In each hand, she holds two long rods, uh, kind of club-like in terms of shape, where they're narrower at her hands and grow mm-hmm. thicker at okay. the heads of them. Not entirely clear on what it might. B And I can't yeah. see the label of it in this image okay. okay and then descending down the fabric wraps, expose her legs, and she stands. It looks like there are there's at least one small child next to her facing away from her mm-hmm. at her side, um, as well as small talismans around her, but they're a little mm-hmm. bit unclear and a bit more rounded Difficult in their spin. shape,
1: yeah. So maybe she's representing um, a particular um, tribe or, or group or something. It's in, I just find it interesting that she's depicted there in the center of the room.
2: Yes, and very tall. So she definitely mm-hmm. makes quite a statement in the center of the room.
1: Very statuesque, I'm assuming.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, and in terms of the other
2: pictures, what do we have? Let's see. I'm going to see if I can focus in on a couple of them and what's available.
1: Actually, are there several, several or just a few available?
2: Um, it looks like there are several options,
1: Okay.
2: but they're all around the paneling of the wall in the circular room. Mm-hmm. So it looks like the exhibition introduces visitors to the broad concept of African-American and African diaspora culture. Mm -hmm. Um, focusing on five ways specifically through which that culture is expressed. Okay. So, firstly, it looks like it focuses, it has an image of four women, uh, looks like in kind of Victorian-era garb with flat hats on their heads and uh, puffy white blouses and dark linen skirts flowing all the way to their feet. Mm -hmm. And it's described, it's in sepia tone, so grayscale, Mm. Four African-American women seated on the steps of a building at Atlanta University, Georgia, published sometime between 1899 and 1900. So, -hmm. as we start exploring, it zooms in. uh, In Florida, there is a bright green two-level house with white picketing around a wraparound porch, both on the first and second level with red trim around the windows, it's described as the L.B. Bra- L. Brown House. It may be Vic- Florida's only existing Victorian-style building built by a formerly enslaved person. Mm-hmm. The next image available focuses in on the U.S. Capitol. It has a uh, black and white picture showing a uh, partly constructed stone building behind of the first and second levels of the White uh, House before the dome was built and placed on top, and some fabric tenting over a small construction area in the foreground of the image. Mm-hmm. It's from the Library of Congress and reads construction at the U.S. Capitol, including the S-Wing and Center Building. The workmen include African Americans. Uh, established, the picture was taken sometime in 1856. Oh, okay. Okay. Continuing upwards, it looks like it heads into Auburn, New York, and displays a rough around image of a brick. It looks like the brick itself is displayed here in the museum. It says it's from the collection of the Smithsonian National Museum of African American Culture as a gift from the Harriet Tubman House, and it is a brick itself from the Harriet Tubman Home, Mm. her residence between 1880 and 1882. The abolitionist Harriet Tubman and her husband Nelson Davis built a brick house in Auburn, New York. They cared for the sick, elderly, and displaced and ran a brickyard. Davis, a former Union soldier and bricklayer, met Tubman during a military raid Tubman led in South Carolina. The next display focuses in on Hampton, Virginia. It is a sepia tone image where there are uh, four African-American men. Two are standing in the background uh, looking over a, uh, a brick furnace of some sort and then two in the foreground looking into looks like a hip level encasement made out of brick mm-hmm. and they're all wearing uh, white overall long sleeve uniforms It reads, students in a bricklaying class in Hampton Institute, Hampton, Virginia, men training in bricklaying at Hampton Institute, Hampton, Virginia, circa uh, 1899 to 1900. Okay. Very good. Next display is a diploma issued to Lucille Brown from Poro College. It's received from Poro College itself. It's dated from 1915. Lucille Brown's dis- diploma from Poro College School of Beauty Culture in St. Louis, Missouri, put her in good company. Poro, founded by hair, o- by hair care entrepreneur and philanthropist Annie Malone, provided new career options to over 75,000 worldwide graduates, including future cosmetics mogul Madam C.J. Walker. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it placed her Mm -hmm. in that good company of her. Mm -hmm. Next, it moves over to Havana, Cuba. It images of several African-American men in the foreground. One is playing on a tall bongo drum pointed away from him. It looks like he's singing into a microphone shared by another man african-american man who is just singing into the microphone it looks like he might be playing some sort of tempo instrument in his hand with a stick Mm -hmm. um they are both wearing tuxedos and in the background it looks like there are a hand about three white men who are also singing one looks like he's playing a classic drum and it's Mm -hmm. unclear what the other two are playing themselves but it says that it's a cuban band performing in total Rumba itself, a dance, is Cuba. It derives from West Central African dance, forms pieced together by enslaved and free Black Cubans. Mm. Spreading throughout the island, Roomba became the beat of all Cubans. You can hear Africa in the Roomba, the claves or wooden sticks, a trio of pitched drums and the cylindrical bamboo kata like American hip hop, Roomba became internationally popular. It has spread from Spain to New York to Africa, demonstrating the global influence of black expressive culture.
1: Yeah, that's that's um just um <laughs> I don't know, I, I was thinking as you were reading um, interesting um, cross section of history, history and culture there. Um, so we're all in, in various parts of life from brick yes. lane to music. I mean, that's that's all of the cultural expression of building the Capitol, the White House and
2: everything. There's a lot of foundational influence, it seems is a mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. core impact of these first displays.
1: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. The next display is a statuette. Looks like a dark wood two platform item with two gold stars on the front. On the mm-hmm. first level, it looks like there is a small griffin uh, in gold as well, rearing up on its feet. Mm-hmm. There is a gold plate on the front and a golden angel holding up a wreath in front of her on the top level. Mm-hmm. It's a trophy awarded to the Texas Southern University debate team, articulating equality, the great debaters. It explains the art of debate requires a mastery of English, sharp thinking, organization, and courage. In 1930, students of small historically black Wiley College in Marshall, Texas, competed against University of Michigan law students in the nation's first interracial collegiate debate. Texas Southern University's debate team, Sigma Pi Alpha, has been winning competition since its founding in 1949. Mm-hmm. Debate teams at HBCUs served dual purposes. They helped to counter notions of African-American intellectual inferiority, and they served as a training ground for future leaders. Looks like it took place in Houston, Texas itself, and that's the location of Texas Southern University.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting what debate should be, as, as you read that. I...
2: <laughs> it's definitely a lot more at play than just simple knowledge. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Next, it jumps over to Jamaica. We have uh, a black and white image of two leaders of Rastafarian nation, Tamara the first and Solomon Musayah on the right. Mm-hmm. They are both uh, medium complexion. African-Americans with looks like, uh, they both have short dread style hairs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tamara the first has thicker dreadlocks closer to his face and uh, black facial hair about Mm -hmm. a couple inches in length. And Solomon has uh, thinner dreads poking out a bit more wildly from around his head Mm -hmm. and similarly uh, facial hair. They're both looking into the camera with solemn expressions and similar beaded necklaces with dark shirts. It looks like they have Jamaican flags sewed onto the sleeves of their shirts pointed towards the camera. Mm -hmm. It reads, Jamaica hair and politics. The Rastafari wear dreadlocks as a sign of their covenant with the creator, allowing one's hair to grow untouched was seen to represent man in his, in quotes, natural state, and also came to symbolize freedom and rebellion in Jamaica and around the world. Next jumps back to Houston, Texas. It shows an image of a line of white houses with red roofing, uh, small and lined very close together with green, small green lawns. It reads shotgun houses included in a public art project called Project Row House, Houston, Texas. Project Row House's social sculpture change has come to Houston's third ward again this formerly segregated area once thrived with homes and businesses. Then the 1970s brought urban blight and flight. A group of Black artists founded Project Row Houses, in parentheses PRH, in the early 1990s, buying and renovating 22 historic buildings. Today, PRH is low-income housing, a single mother's program artists, studios, offices, and exhibit and community spaces. PRH emphasizes five key pillars, art and creativity, education, social safety nets, architecture, and sustainability values identified identified with the third ward.
1: So in terms of this particular exhibit, um, what I think I'm wanting to do is move over to another that maybe focuses a little on some, on music, and maybe perhaps we can see some particular instruments like you described in the um, photo of the Cuban, the gentleman in Cuba, um, the, uh, I'm not, I don't recall what that particular uh, drum is, um, or conga, what, whatever. But anyway, if we can find something like that,
2: maybe. Did you want me to find that within this exhibit possibly? Yeah.
1: Or maybe just if we can move over to another exhibit.
2: Let me pop back to the previous exhibits and see mm-hmm. if I can find one that applies a little bit more.
1: So in this 360-degree view, I'm assuming it's just like it sounds that viewers could see the entire view. Is it an aerial view perhaps? or
2: It is. There are, uh, it's kind of like a descended in platform at the middle where that main statuette is. And then a, on a raised platform around her, along the walls are the rest of the exhibit where they can pass wow. around and view as mm-hmm. they walk. Right. So I am scanning through.
1: That's the- a nice thing about these museums is there's so much to see. And if you go without a program in your hand or a, pl- a plan, you you could probably just wander not necessarily aimlessly, but wander aimlessly through and find I think a I'd lot. be
0: wandering aimlessly just around yeah. the first room
1: <laughs> right that that first room is a very i mean captivating doesn't even describe it just a lot there, a lot to take in
2: absolutely it feels like you could spend an entire day just in that room right in Another one of the exhibits is titled Musical Crossroads. So it looks like this is exactly what it focuses on. The Musical Crossroads tells the story of African American music from the arrival of the first Africans to the present day.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting. Let's check
2: that out. Okay. The main messages of this exhibit uh, focus on the African American music preserved, how the African American music preserved African culture and traditions while it spurred new innovations how African American music is a central role in the history of American music, how musicians are represented in a diverse array of musical forms, and how music is a universally appealing lens through which to understand America's history. Looks like the first display they have is a large poster. Uh, The background is a cream color, and in the Center of it is a green, black, and cream display. of It has mainly James Brown, his head tilted up and looking off to the side, mid-song. <laughs> it says, a show for the entire family, Mr. Dynamite James Brown, 18-piece band. And his review looks like it is from a uh, university in a Tallahassee, dated Saturday, March 1st, as an 8.30 p.m. concert where advanced admission was $4, admission at DOOR was $5, and students could pay $3. (laughs) That
1: had to be a long time ago.
2: (laughs) Looks like the date that that was from was 1969, printed by the Globe Printing Company. Okay, 1969. Let's see, scanning through, in terms of Classical music options. It highlights Marian Anderson's ensemble from 1939 concert at the Lincoln Memorial, modified in 1993. By 1939, Marian Anderson uh, from 1897 to 1993 had performed for audiences worldwide. But in Washington, D.C., the Daughters of the American Revolution refused to let her perform at their concert house, Constitution Hall. In response, Walter White, Executive Secretary of the NAACP and Secretary of the Interior Harold Icks arranged for a public concert on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on Easter Sunday, April 9th, 1939. It was a watershed moment in civil rights history. Mm-hmm. Marianne Anderson gave voice to the principles of freedom, justice, and equality. The next pillar looks like music on stage and screen. It displays a neon sign from Minton's Playhouse. I'm going to see if I can find that image because they have a number of images available, but it doesn't look like they have that one on display here. But it reads regarding the neon sign, Minton's Playhouse opened in 1938 on 118th Street in Harlem and is known as the birthplace of bebop. During the club's famous Monday night jam sessions in the 40s, musicians such as Thelonious Monk, Kenny Clark, Charlie Christian, Roy Eldridge, Charlie Parker, and Dizzy Gillespie created a new style of jazz that featured fast tempos, technical virtuosity that explored complicated harmonic and rhythmic structures. Because of its complexity, bebop was a style more oriented towards listening and was well-suited for Minton's club-like environment. (laughs) Next is Sacred, Thomas Dorsey's rehearsal piano from Pilgrim Baptist Church. Thomas Dorsey, from 1899 to 1993, commonly referred to as the father of gospel music, used this piano and bench at Pilgrim Baptist Church, where he served as music director over 40 years Mm. rock and roll chuck berry's cadillac this one they do show (laughs) of course they have the car itself centered in the room on a raised platform it is a bright cherry red very long cadillac cadillac two doors with white walled tires and a geometrical front uh displaying the classic cadillac image of the forward triangular headlights and the zigzagging front grille. The interior itself is a plush red velvet with chrome plating along the sides and detailing of the Cadillac itself.
1: Very good. Yeah.
2: For uh, its description or the, the notice for Chuck Berry's Cadillac, it says, Chuck Berry was known for owning a fleet of Cadillacs, and would write songs that would often reference the vehicle. This Mm -hmm. Cadillac was driven on stage at the Fox Theater in St. Louis in the documentary, Hail Hail Rock and Roll. It was the same theater that turned him away as a child because he was black. Mm -hmm. Moving on to hip hop, public enemy S1W uniform, rewriting the rules of hip hop, particularly in their ability to communicate statements of protest, activism, and social revolution to their audience. Public Enemy is among the most influential, pioneering, and controversial rap groups in the history of hip-hop music. Mm -hmm. The group voiced tenants of Black pride and racial awareness with a level of seriousness largely unseen in the hip-hop genre. And lastly, Neighborhood Record Store. The Neighborhood Record Store functions as a communal space where visitors are joined together by their interest in music and the exhibition's content. Will be the place where visitors can interact with each other recall memories of their favorite songs and make new discoveries about their favorite artists and new genres of music included in the record store will be record covers for individual browsing and a centrally positioned digital touch table interactive station that links songs and artists to various genres themes regions and time periods The space is rounded out with artifacts that highlight the evolution of recorded media, tour memorabilia, and objects related to a select number of artists.
1: So this is actually, um, the Neighborhood Record Store is actually an exhibit within itself, or is that a picture of an exhibit? It
2: it sounds like it is uh, integrated in the exhibit itself. So it looks like there is a large Uh, room that this is all seated in with that Cadillac in the center. Mm -hmm. Um, And then each of these tenants highlighted here are kind of somewhat vertically labeled spaces where it looks like each area has one of these touch screens displaying specific artists that fall under each of these spaces and displaying different artifacts as well. Looks like there's a multicolored pyramid in one corner uh, that's next to funk and dance mm-hmm. and then several images uh, in each area of different singers and pillars of these genres including sacred, classical and funk and dance.
1: Wow, okay. So people if they were actually live at the museum physically would be able to interact with that?
2: Yes. Okay. It looks Great. like one other artifact that they Or two other artifacts that they do have pictures of. To describe, they have the tap shoes used by Sammy Davis Jr. in 1938. Mm -hmm. Looks like they are very well-worn black leather shoes with black cloth shoelaces. Mm -hmm. And very, very worn out. You can see from the inside, they're browned with age. And the toes themselves are fairly crinkled and worn. Although the black leather is still in touch, it hasn't necessarily... Uh, Mm -hmm. ripped or torn. It's a small bit of cracking. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then the soles themselves are made of a hard dark wood with a tap still on the toes.
1: Yeah,
2: They have another image of the red Cadillac Eldorado owned by Chuck Berry Mm -hmm. as a donation of Chuck Berry himself. And then they have a vest worn by Jimi Hendrix in the 1960s. It is a short waist-length red velvet with gold embroidery around the edges and in the center of the vest itself around the collar is a kind of flame edge that extends out at about the mid shoulder line with horizontal embroidery connecting it to the collar itself and on the paneling inside it has a intricate crisscrossing of the gold embroidery extending up in swirls with green gems uh, along the bottom Swirling itself as well.
1: Mm. I love the detail um, of this vest. Of course, you wouldn't get that without you, your lovely. <laughs>
2: <discussion>. <laughs> it's definitely a very fun vest. I'm sure he yeah, enjoyed I while yeah. while performing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there another exhibit that you would like to explore? That looks well, like it. Yeah,
1: that's the end of that one. Oh, okay. Well, let's uh, well, let's move along and see what other options we have.
2: Let's see. Did you want me to focus more so on options that give uh, culture and music or? Yeah,
1: I think kind of the intersection between them, because um, culture has shaped music and music has shaped culture. I mean, to some extent. Um,
2: Absolutely.
1: You know, we we can probably evolve from. Well, I'll tell you, one of my favorite eras is the Motown era, you know, when Motown <coughs> was becoming um, popular in the mid-late 50s on through the 60s. and Then, of course, you you get into more of the R&B sounds and, um, and what was going on. Um, I recall Marvin Gaye singing a lot about um, war and poverty and, of course, different artists, but as a young person, I remember him in particular. Um, and, you know, some of the same things going on today. So, yeah, if we could find something that kind of... Um, maybe shows the progression. They
2: definitely have a lot of options. We can go into more detail Mm -hmm. and look throughout the entire collection that the museum has and specifically look for the items that do just pertain to the influence of music um, that African American culture has had. Mm -hmm. Looks like there are lots of results. So we can. Well, I mean, and,
1: and, and realistically with, time not on our side <laughs> maybe step through a decade a couple of, per decade or something like that so because you know clearly we have i'm sure a lot of places we, we could just rest on this for the next couple hours
2: oh easily maybe a couple couple
1: each decade so we can get up to um the current current times
2: it looks like they have a, a silver and photographic gelatin on photographic paper that is an image of a uh, black man with a small beret singing into a microphone while he plays on a keyboard piano and a patchwork denim jacket on. It looks like the photograph was by uh, Milton Williams, born in 1940. The mm-hmm. subject is Donnie Hathaway, mm-hmm. uh, living between 1945 and 1979, dated September 1977. Mm-hmm. The caption reads, singer Donnie Hathaway at the Last Hurrah Nightclub performing Someday We'll Be Free from his 1973 extension of a man album. And as we continue, I'm going to find some more specific pertaining to music options. It's like they've got a number of movies that you might be able to uh, also partake in as you go through some short, short movies. Uh uh-huh. um, they have a poster between the devil and the deep blue sea. Mm-hmm. It is a uh, let's see, popping back, it looks like it is a pink poster in the background with a white kind of jagged line in the middle and it has four people dancing, uh, both couples identical. It looks like a dark-skinned woman with long arms and a swinging red dress, deep cut with red bowed stilettos, followed by a uh, dark-skinned man with his hand up and other hand lowered, holding a red cane and a tuxedo with a red tie. Mm -hmm. And both are dancing across the bottom of the poster. Along the top, it reads, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea, the Cotton Club presents Rhythm Mania. And it looks like it's dated from 1931, written by Ted Kohler and Harold Arlen illustrated by Sidney Lefkowitz and published by Mills Music Incorporated. Uh, Subjects involved of the Music and Cotton Club are Dan Healy, Clarence Robinson, and the American Cotton Club, ink on paper. Okay. Looks like they, if you uh, were to go further into it, they have even more displays of the sheet music itself involved in the rhythm of the deep blue sea. Okay. Uh, similarly, they have an image of a fan from the Cotton Club indicating a uh, looks like a white woman with waved brown hair dated 1923 to 1935. Ink on cardbo- cardboard with wood and metal. It's just okay. an insight into the purveyors of the Cotton Club. Yeah,
1: that was famous in Harlem, I do recall. Never got to go, of course.
2: Looks like they also have uh, a more recent poster from the Prince Rally for Peace Concert in Baltimore in 2015. Uh, It is a geometric poster with uh, black on the top and the bottom. Prince in Baltimore. Uh, Sunday, May 18th, 2015. Royal Farms Arena. Third Eye Girl, Wear Something Gray, he highlights. And it's a geometric Uh, Painting of him himself with purple and then purple on top and gray on the bottom in the background and a gold chain below him, his face with large black circles for his sunglasses and of course his signature uh, huge black afro Mm -hmm. as well. Looks like scrolling through they have images of photographic slides of the Poor People's Campaign Mm -hmm. uh, photographed by Robert Houston. Uh, subjecting the Poor People's Campaign commissioned by the Black Star with unidentified n- uh, men and Reverend Frederick Douglass Kirkpatrick as well.
1: Okay. Is there a date? I'm, I'm just curious on that photo. Uh, that the- date Four
2: was uh, May of 1968, it looks like. Let me double check.
1: Because that is something that's still around today.
2: Yes. Okay. May... 21st 1968 to June 23rd 1968 okay. let's see moving on to the next page let's see it looks like they have a flyer dated uh, from 1977 advertising a Caribbean uh fete or feet not mm-hmm. sure how that is pronounced unfortunately and
1: how is that spelled
2: f-e-t-e I'm not sure either The flyer is yellow with black text and features an image of artwork on the left. The flyer reads uh, Caribbean Feet, we're going to go with, sponsored by cross-section Afro-American and Caribbean Fine Arts, uh, dated in uh, December 10th, 1977. Looks like the timing they advertised was from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. at a YMCA in Brooklyn, New York. Featuring the mini Massac music band and the famous Haitian singer, Miriam Mm Derisme. We also have several um, posters advertising uh, an Astra Carnival, Carnival, music and dance of Brazil and Capoeira dated from 1976 on pink paper. And another flyer advertising the inaugural dance of the African Haitian Association, dated from 1975. It's like it was a show at 12 p.m. Okay. Also established in a ballroom at the Americana Hotel in New York. Let's see. So this
1: room has more pictures and flyers and different things representing the, the, um, the different music options that were going on at that time, sounds like.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. So a variety of, of different lot of expansions of just how on display and accessible these things may have been, especially highlighted in the 1960s to 1970s.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually kind of curious um, if we move over to the 80s and 90s and perhaps early 2000s, what, what they might have here
2: Let's speaks to see. those decades. So a bit more recent decades. Yeah.
0: i'm actually actually really amazed um stephanie and bridget how much has changed Mm -hmm. in this museum since we were here two weeks ago
1: (laughs) i know i know i mean well yeah and and if we were on the one side of it and this was on the other side we just never got over here
0: exactly (laughs) and there is just so much i mean we could spend like i said another at least two or three weeks here uh two Mm -hmm. or three shows definitely
1: it just shows the uh audience that um Afternoons at the museum could literally be days at the museum. <laughs> we get an hour, you guys can get weeks.
2: Exactly. That's why I looks, love this
1: promotion. <laughs>
2: yeah, very fun. It uh, looks like they have a pin back button for the play Tap Man oh. uh, with the subject of Karen Jones Meadows, dated from 1988. It is ink on paper with metal and plastic. It has a um, button with a white background with the silhouette of a man singing into a microphone, Mm -hmm. white text over the man's shoulder, reading uh, the Tap Man, 88 Tap Man Hudson Guild Theater with a back clasp, highlighting, uh, looks like it was in the section of blues music and drama theater. Mm. Looks like they also have an image uh, a black and white photograph of Jimmy Johnson playing guitar at a performance in Delray Beach, Florida. He is at the left of the frame wearing a dark jacket and standing behind a microphone. Another man is playing a bass guitar at the right of the frame. This is, uh, looks like the photo itself is dated in 1991. Mm. And the other man is unidentified, but uh, Jimmy Johnson himself is strumming his guitar, singing into the microphone and looking towards the camera with a solemn, if not slightly sad, expression. Mm, Okay. We also have a photograph by David Spitzer of Big Jack Johnson from 1990. Looks like he is, uh, it is a black and white photograph. He's playing a dark guitar with his initials BJJ on the body of it. Looks like it was from a performance in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He's wearing a white beret hat and looks like a uh, dark black with uh, white detailing of specks and different abstract designs as he's uh, also wearing a bracelet and is smiling. Uh, Looks like he was in the middle of clapping his hands, slightly smiling towards the audience, probably engaged in a little Mm -hmm. bit of back and forth.
1: Right. That's big Jack Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Is he actually a big guy? I mean, it's (laughs)
2: <laughs> looks like he is slightly large he's not he's definitely not uh overly large but right you can definitely tell why they might have called him big jack johnson
1: <laughs>
2: more of a jolly type yes <laughs> looks like they also have an image of carrie bell from 1988 he is clasping his hands in front of his face in a black and white photograph As he's playing the harmonica during a performance, it looks like from Miami, Florida. Mm -hmm. He cups his hands around a microphone while performing and holds his face quite close. He wears a dark suit jacket and his eyes are closed while playing. Uh, The harmonica itself is extending away from him longwise and his cheeks are puffed out as Mm -hmm. he's playing wearing a dark sports jacket. Yeah.
1: Any references um, to. Well, back then it was an early form of rap and then I think as we move toward the 90s, 2000s, kind of morphed into hip-hop. Any references of that kind in this particular exhibit?
2: Uh, Let me pop forward a little bit and see what we might be able to find in terms of narrowing down the dates. I think they'll have more, proceed more to the early thousands.
0: Mm -hmm. And we'll take You know, go a few more minutes after five uh, tonight, Eastern time, because we get a little bit of a late start. So we'll give you a few more minutes here to look through this collection. And then we'll tell you what we have coming up two weeks from now.
1: Yes, because I could just probably just sit right in this exhibit for the next few hours.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know.
2: Looks like they do have uh, a double disc copy of songs in A minor uh, dated from 2001 by Alicia Keys, including two long playing vinyl discs and a cardboard jacket and cardboard sleeves Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs)
2: outlining all of the different songs on here. Mm -hmm. Um, Looks like they also have items from 2007, including Joseph and Charles walking the labels category POCC ball Webster hall, Manhattan, New York. Dated in two, August of 2007, mm-hmm. a color digital image of Joseph and Charles captured while participating in the Walking the Labels category uh, at the People of Color and Crisis Ball in 2007. The two men are pictured in the center of the image wearing colorful suits and hats. The man to the left is dressed in a powder pink suit with a black shirt and a patterned pink bow tie. He also has a powder pink fedora style hat with a purple feather tucked into the brim. He holds an open umbrella that has a floral, bright pink, purple, blue, and orange print. Another man stands in front to the left on the right side of the photograph. He wears a suit with a printed leaf and vine pattern in black, white, yellow, and various shades of green. He has on a white shirt with a dark green tie and sunglasses cover his eyes, and he is wearing a beige-brimmed hat. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks like this falls into the several topics of communities, dance, fashion, As well as gender and identity. Mm
1: -hmm. Powder pink. Powder
2: pink. They are very bold. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) They're looking like they're definitely having a good time in their march, having a very fun time. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Uh, They also have on display a playbill for the bubbly black girl sheds her chameleon skin. Ooh. Ooh. Used by the playwright Horizons as a playbill with uh, subjects of Cheryl Alexander, Natalie Venetia Belkin, Dwayne uh, Buteau, Darius DeHaz, Angel DeSay, Jerry Dixon, Jonathan DeKuchitz, Felicia Finley, Robert Jason Jackson, LaChans, Josh Tower, Deborah Walton and Maya Watson-Davis, mm. uh, dated from 2000. Uh, white background with a yellow box at top, gray box below with an image of a woman, arms and hands open, standing in front of the title. Looks like it is uh, from the collection of the Smithsonian National Art Museum. As a gift of Kalia, Kayla Day Owens. Mm-hmm. Uh, from rhythm and blues and the impact on popular music there.
0: Wow. And I think we, we will probably call that our stopping place for today. Wow. Now, we will definitely be back to the National Museum of African American History and Culture because, as you all see, there is so much here. We encourage you all to visit this museum and any of the others that we have toured, plus any of the museums listed at blackmuseums.org slash directory. And many of those museums were undergoing some website changes due to COVID, but keep checking back and ask your IRA agents, and we will definitely um, help you find something interesting. So, Stephanie... Um, this has been so much fun, and thank you so much, Bridget, for filling in today as our agent. Um, Bridget t- kind of came in at the last minute and did a wonderful Excellent job.
1: Excellent job. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you so much. Thank you much.
0: both. It was my fun. pleasure. Yes. You know, thank yous fun. and a lot of love from everybody. I, I love reading that. Thank you guys so much. Awesome. awesome. Thank you all out there on YouTube and our next afternoon at the museum will be on November 6th. Then we will be joined by the good folks at the NFB of Maryland. They're going to have us as part of their, mu- their uh, convention programming. So that I'm be excited. I can't wait for that one. <laughs> I know, and I'm not sure where we're going to be, but I will tell you we might be at the Negro league baseball museum This is one people have waited for, so we're having a meeting with them this week, so we'll let you guys know what our next museum will be, but that might be it. And uh, how much fun, because we'll actually have somebody from the museum with us, if that's the
1: case. That's exciting. That is so exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Got to get in my Go Dodgers here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. And how many people are using Ira to watch the World Series?
1: Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. I'm Janine Stanley, your Explorer Community Manager with Afternoon at the Museum from Ira.